It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. Thank you so much for watching It Is Written. We are in the midst of a series designed with purpose. And today we're going to take further look at this issue of design. And we're going to look at nitrogen. Now, before you say nitrogen, that doesn't sound very exciting. You are going to be thrilled with the conversation today because nitrogen is an essential part of the proteins that we are made of as well as our DNA. It is also about 80% of our atmosphere. And we're going to look at why the role of nitrogen in the atmosphere is so important and how it is taken from the atmosphere to be used in biological molecules. To help us with this discussion and its implication on our faith, I want to welcome again Dr. Tim Standish. Thanks so much. It's good to be back. Yes, and I'm sure glad you're here because if I was going to have a discussion on nitrogen, that would be a very, very short discussion, Dr. Standish. Now, Dr. Standish, you have a Ph.D. in environmental biology and public policy. You are the senior scientist for the Geoscience Research Institute. Tell us, Dr. Standish, what are you doing on a daily basis in this world of biology and its implications on faith? Well, there are lots of things that, that we do at the Geoscience Research Institute. One of the things that uh, I enjoy doing is actually working on documentary films that help to explain design in the natural world. So that's, that's um, kind of fun to do. It's a little bit outside of the normal activities of the scientist, but trying to get the, both the facts straight, but also convey the amazing information that we know about our world. Obviously, I'm particularly interested in the environment yes. and, um, and how ecology works in such a way that, uh, that life can exist. So, uh, um, you know, if, if I was to tell you this is what I do on such and such a day in my office, I'm afraid I couldn't tell you because I'm not a prophet. It's something different every day. But this media work is certainly enjoyable. That is wonderful. And Dr. Standish, if someone wanted to find out more about some of the documentaries that you're working on, some of the work of the Geoscience Research Institute, where would they go to find out uh, about this information? Well, actually, I'd point them to two different web pages. Okay. First of all, there is the Geoscience Research Institute webpage, which is grisda.org, grisda.org. Okay. That's one. Another one is illustramedia.com. No okay. space, just I-L-L-U-S-T-R-A-M-E-D-I-A.com. And that's where you'll see some of the documentaries that I've had the privilege of, of working on and others that, that have also been produced by Illustra Media, they are fantastic. Really the best thing out there. 
fascinating. And all of those videos having to do with design and creation in yes. the world of nature, seeing how God and, and, is working, seeing, using the terminology that we've used in some of our previous shows, seeing the plan which points to the planner, that planner being Jesus Christ himself. Yes. Now, today we're going to have a little bit of a conversation about, about nitrogen. And so maybe let's just start right there and make it really basic to kick off with. What is nitrogen? Nitrogen is the most exciting element out there. And I know that that's, that's an extreme statement. Yes, I, However, I'm, wondering, I'm wondering if we might have some folks ready right. to argue There may be you. people who disagree with me, but they are people who had no fun in high school. Okay. Uh, um, nitrogen is um, uh, you know, an, an atom that you find in many different kinds of explosives. So that's why I'm saying it's exciting. Okay. TNT. Yes. Everyone, that's trinitrotoluene. Yeah. Um, nitroglycerin. Mm -hmm. you know, these are explosive explosives that people are familiar with. And they it's the nitrogen in there that is contributing that huge amount of energy that's released when these explosives explode. Uh, so that it's it's really an exciting uh, element, and yet it exists in our atmosphere as probably the most boring molecule imaginable. Uh, two nitrogen um, atoms joined together to make something called N2, nitrogen gas. It's really, really important that it's there. Well, and that's what I, now, so you, you said, first you said nitrogen was exciting, but now you're saying nitrogen is boring. And so if nitrogen's that boring, what would happen if we just replaced all the nitrogen in our atmosphere with oxygen, which seems a whole lot more useful? Well, things would get a lot more exciting. Let's put it that way, if you did that. Um, remember, nitrogen gas is boring. It's, it's, it's inert. What that means is it doesn't really react with anything, whereas oxygen reacts with stuff. Um, we know that because, you know, when we burn things up, it's using up oxygen. It's the oxygen that's oxidizing whatever it is that's burning away there. So if you took out the nitrogen and replaced it with oxygen, what you would have is an awful lot more burning. And in fact, this experiment has been done accidentally. Okay. Uh, actually, apparently quite a few times over the years. My father was a, was a doctor. And back in the olden days, uh, if a patient had trouble breathing, one of the things that they would do is put them inside an oxygen tent. Mm. This was basically a cover, and they raised the amount of oxygen inside that tent, which was important for the patient because they needed more oxygen. They were having trouble getting oxygen into their body. However, if that patient happened to light up a cigarette inside the oxygen tent, yes. it was a conflagration. Yes. That actually happened. And my understanding is that my father was not the only doctor who had a patient do that. Um, you'd have to be addicted to cigarettes. I would think yes. so. <laughs> but uh, yes, because 
the cigarette, instead of burning slowly as it does in our normal, you know, 80% nitrogen atmosphere, right, would uh, burn like an inferno for a very short period of time inside the oxygen-enriched atmosphere. So it's very important that we have some kind of inert gas that takes up most of the atmosphere. Otherwise, we simply would not be able to control fires. Okay, so, so maybe help me a little bit here. So nitrogen gas in particular is very important in its role in the atmosphere, and nitrogen is important to life, but if it's inert, why is it found all over in explosives, and why is it so exciting, so to speak, when it's not a gas? It, the secret lies in the triple bond that exists between two nitrogen atoms when, when they go together and form the nitrogen gas that we see in the atmosphere. Those three bonds are very hard to break. So to separate nitrogen, N2, into individual nitrogen atoms, you have to put in a huge amount of energy to break those, those three bonds apart. Okay. And that's why nitrogen gas is inert. It just doesn't react with things. You can, you know, have a fire in nitrogen and the nitrogen won't, won't have anything, you know, won't make any difference okay. in that situation. But if you take nitrogen apart, you put the energy in, right, to split it apart, What's going to happen if you put it back together again? All of that energy that was put in to pull it apart mm -hmm. is going to be released as you reform that triple bond. And that's how explosives that contain nitrogen work, which is basically most explosives that people work with. Um, the nitrogen on trinitrotoluene is held apart on this organic molecule called, uh, called toluene. If you break that molecule so that the nitrogens can get back together again, boom, they release all that energy as they reform the triple bond and become nitrogen gas again. That is truly remarkable. And so you've got all this nitrogen, all this energy and, 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 and that is that is being released when you're putting it back together. What, uh, where does that energy come from? I mean, what, where, where does it get that energy? Well, it doesn't happen by a miracle, okay? okay. Or, or actually, by a sort of miracle in a way. But there's a there are mechanisms that allow us to do this. Okay. Now, when it comes to uh, uh, the situation in nature, there are really two ways that we can turn nitrogen into something that can be used by organisms. Okay. One of them is called thermal shock. That's uh, what you get when you have something like lightning striking. As lightning rips through the atmosphere, it, there is a, an unbelievable amount of energy there. And that's enough energy to split the nitrogen gas molecules into two individual nitrogens. Now, if those nitrogens happen to meet up with some oxygen, they will form nitrates. Okay. okay. So these are basically nitrogen and oxygen. 
uh, together in a molecule. Those nitrates fall out of the atmosphere and those can be absorbed by plants. The plants will absorb the nitrates uh, probably through their roots. Um, nitrates, by the way, dissolve in water. Oh, okay. So water can help to distribute the nitrates around and, and then they're absorbed through the roots. Once they're inside the plant, the plant has a whole set of machinery that takes that nitrate uh, and essentially turns it into ammonia, which is nitrogen with hydrogen atoms attached to it. Okay. And that ammonia then is stuck onto organic molecules. The organic molecules, they came from the process of photosynthesis. So it's taking energy from the sun to make those organic molecules, molecules made out of carbon, like sugar, for example, and the, nitro, uh, the, the, the ammonia gets stuck on there, and then you have the beginning of something like an amino acid or a nucleic acid like DNA. Hmm. And um, uh, so that's one way in which things can work. The problem is that under normal circumstances, there just isn't enough lightning or other causes of thermal shock to produce the, the required amount of nitrate. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, so plants actually have special systems for taking nitrogen out of the atmosphere and turning it into ammonia so that they can use it. And those systems involve not just the plants. They also involve bacteria. Okay. So um, probably the plants that are the most famous for doing this are legumes, bean kind of plants. Okay. Um, those plants have special nodules on their roots. And within those nodules, there are special bacteria. And those bacteria have to work in a, an essentially oxygen-free environment. So the plant and the bacteria, um, uh, and it depends on, uh, th there are some interesting ambiguities in this system, but the bottom line is there is something like hemoglobin in there. So the stuff that makes our blood red yes. is found inside these nodules. You'll remember that hemoglobin in our blood is there to pick up oxygen and move oxygen around inside our body and then release it to our muscles or our brain or wherever we need oxygen. Yes. Okay? In this particular case, this kind of hemoglobin-like molecule actually just grabs any oxygen in, in that area and holds onto it so that these special um, microorganisms can do what's called nitrogen fixation. And we really don't understand fully how they do it. Okay. But, they, but the plant also is giving the, the, the bacterium uh, energy in the form of sugars and so on so that they can do this because remember, they have to put that energy in to split the nitrogen apart. Once they do that, then the
the nitrogen can be passed onto the plant. The plant can make proteins and then we can eat the proteins in beans or in, in or you know um, other plants plant things also have protein in them yes or we can eat the animals that ate the plants but that's how we get protein and without it well we couldn't exist no organism that uh, that's alive today can exist without proteins wow so th we've got this cycle and it's actually uh, two different cycles in which nitrogen is uh, extracted maybe be from the atmosphere, whether that be through lightning or through the plant itself, and then that nitrogen is converted in the uh, from the lightning strike into nitrates, and then with the plant, the plant is converting it into usable nitrogen uh, and eventually becomes ammonia and then gives kind of the building blocks for proteins. Am I kind of... You're pretty much there. Am I, like, I, with, yeah. with, without a scientific degree. There you go. You so, probably would have gotten an A in one of my classes. Yes, yes, stuff. yes. Yeah. And, and we've actually known each other that long. While I was a student, you were a teacher at, uh, at the university I went to. So here's a question. What happens if we break that cycle? We're in big trouble, really big trouble. Because if all of the nitrogen is being taken out of the atmosphere and turned into nitrate or ammonia or, you know, proteins or, 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 or what have you, what's going to happen to the atmosphere? Well, it's not going to have the nitrogen that actually is needed in the atmosphere to keep it, everything there working as it should. But in addition to that, remember, nitrates and ammonia, they don't just sit around all by themselves with, with nothing happen, happening. Ammonium nitrate is a very effective fertilizer that you can buy. At least you used to be able to buy it. I'm not sure you can anymore. Yeah. It's also an explosive. Wow. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's been used by terrorists, unfortunately. Yes. Um, but certainly it's, it's also just used as a regular explosive. Ammonium nitrate, uh, yes, will really go off with, with quite a bang. And um, uh, so if you had huge amounts of nitrogen just sort of building up, you have the potential for a very big bang if, if you're not careful. Okay? So that's one of many, uh, actually several reasons why you need to complete this cycle by having a way of returning the nitrogen to the atmosphere. Now, here's the thing. Think about a situation where a plant, let's say, dies. Yes. Or an animal dies. It contains proteins. Those proteins um, are going to be broken down. And ultimately, the nitrogen that's in the... In the um, uh, in the organism, some of it at least is going to be turned back into nitrate. Nitrate by itself is pretty stable stuff. It also, remember, dissolves in water. Right. So what that does is that allows the nitrogen to be recycled to plants in the area um, around this organism that died. So it's a way of recycling nitrogen without having to put all of that energy that had to be put into to split the nitrogen gas. 
but you can't let that just build up forever. Too much nitrate in the environment is a really bad thing. It's actually one of the problems that we have when farmers put too much nitrogen onto their crops, then that leaches off into streams and lakes and so on, and, and it upsets things in a very bad way. It winds up killing everything in the streams and, oh. and lakes. So there has to be a way of getting the nitrogen back into the atmosphere. And in fact, there are other microorganisms that take care of that, um, that particular challenge. Now, there's something interesting to note about all of the microorganisms, really, that, that are the um, important hinges of this cycle, if you want to call them that. Yes. And that is every single one of them benefits from what they do. Nobody, uh, nobody winds up just doing, you know, taking care of the nitrogen um, without getting some benefit out of it. So it's a system that benefits everything. Without this system, it looks like life could not exist on Earth. Now, I'm remembering some of our previous conversations. This is fascinating because what this definitely points to is you have this cycle of nitrogen coming from the atmosphere, plants uh, 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 getting the nitrogen, splitting the nitrogen, turning it into usable nitrogen, and then microorganisms all over the place taking the abundance of nitrates to help that nitrogen get back into the atmosphere so that cycle can continue. Here's the fascinating thing I'm seeing. We've talked about harmony in the creation pointing to a designer. So Dr. Stanish, let me just ask that question. What does this nitrogen cycle tell us about God, if anything? Well, for me, it tells me two things. One, it tells me, wow, that is an incredible plan. The whole system really needs to be in place for life to be sustained. You, you, can't, you can't break it and expect that life is going to be around for very long. The other thing it tells me is, that there wasn't very, there could not be a huge amount of time to get that system into place. Now, it might be that you could have a broken nitrogen cycle for a few years, but not for millions of years. I actually sat down and did some calculations on this a while ago. And, um, you know, depending on your assumptions and things, you're talking about, you know, a few years maybe a few decades, but not millions of years. And yet, what the Darwinian model of things demands is that you have lots of time so that these different organisms can, can evolve. But if one of these organisms that's involved in the nitrogen cycle evolves and starts doing its thing, that's going to be a huge problem for all the other organisms that exist. Well, except it just can't even work that way because you've got to have the nitrogen before you can have the organisms. Do you see what I'm saying? I do, it's, I do. It's I, kind of a catch-22. Yeah, um, I know author Michael Behe a number of years ago wrote a book and he talked about something called an irreducibly complex yeah. system. And I don't know that he applied it to this, but it almost seems like this nitrogen cycle is an irreducibly complex cycle that if you took out any one of the components, 
it just doesn't work. You know, that's a really good insight, and I know it is, because my friend uh, Henry Zuhl and I actually wrote a paper about this where we asked the question, is this an irreducibly complex system on the ecological level? Because Mike Behe, he talked about primarily um, uh, systems that are occurring inside organisms, inside cells. And by the way, he's an incredibly insightful man, a really, truly brilliant, wonderful human being. What we were asking is, what if you went outside of individual organisms? What if you looked at something on an ecological level? Can you make exactly the same argument? We said that we believe that it's similar, but not necessarily identical. It's close, but um, the, the difference is for an, an ecological cycle like this to work, you, you, you can have a little bit of um, uh, flexibility with time, but not a huge amount. Whereas for those molecular machines, it's an instant. Yes. The molecular machines inside cells, they either have to all be there right at exactly the same instant, or the whole thing is functionalist. So this is a little bit different, but the same general idea. That is, and, and we're out of time once again, Dr. Stanish, but what we are seeing is not only has God designed living things in a complex way, but he's actually designed the environment in which they live in a way that all the components must be there because without them, life simply couldn't exist. It's designed all the way down. Designed with a purpose. Dr. Standish, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you've designed our environment with a purpose. And that purpose is that we would have life and have it more abundantly. Heavenly Father, help us to appreciate that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Stanish, what an interesting conversation we had today about God's design in the environment. We want to offer our viewers the DVD, Unlocking the Mystery of Life. Tell us about this DVD. Well, it's an excellent choice. It's about the little molecular machines that run inside our cells, what they're doing, how they're put together, and why they appear to be designed as opposed to the product of some incremental, unguided process like Darwinian evolution. If you'd like to receive that DVD, here's the information you need to receive the offer. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H, 7v4.
Dr. Standish, thank you again so much for joining us today. Well, it's been my pleasure to be here. These things are beautiful, fascinating, and wonderful in every way. Absolutely. Dear friends, thank you for watching. I invite you to join us again next week. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.